0: Triumphant episode one! Weird Rap focuses on rap music's most advanced artists, its experimental fringes, and otherwise unique or mysterious manifestations in the world of hip-hop new and old, exploring its beauty, its complexities, and its curiosities. For our first episode, we've got an interview with Rob Sonic. We've got guest reviewer Curly Castro talking about Skip Kuhn's classic album Miles Garvey. We've got Little Ghost Rider commenting on schizophrenia and schizophobia as they apply to Milo, a.k.a. Rap Ferreira. And we'll do a rundown of recent music releases. But now, you may know him from Hail Mary Mallon, Sonic Sum, or his amazing solo work. It's Rob, Rob Sonic. Sonic. Sonic.
1: Oh, uh, working on another record. Always, it's always a perpetual sort of continuous loop of working on music for me so uh, I'm working on another one and uh, I'm just doing that.
0: Yeah I definitely wanted to talk about the new album. Mm. So so you released the single Boca Raton that's from the new album right?
1: Well I don't know if I'm going to keep it on there or not I just felt like it was sort of a peaceful jam and, and it was like at the beginning of the pandemic so uh, you know people had a lot of time at home and I thought it would be like just it was just kind of a You know, for the most part, it was just sort of a a relaxing sort of, (laughs) you know, uh, surreal sort of song. So I thought it would be cool to just sort of throw that out there and give it to people for free.
0: Yeah, I felt like that song was so strange to me. Like for you, it seemed very different, you know, from the music, which was like a, to me, sort of like a, almost like an 80s synth pop vibe.
1: It's definitely, it's definitely synth wave. I mean, I, I, I always sort of worked in that uh, area. Like uh, My production was always, I tried to stay away from sampling. I've been doing that for a long time. I mean, coming from Sonic Sum, which was, that was more sample-based production, and uh, I just felt like that when I got an opportunity to release stuff through Def Jokes, That, uh, to sort of separate myself from that in terms of sound, that I would sort of just delve into the world of synthesizers. And, uh, yeah, I sort of fell in love with just tooling around with a bunch of synths. And, uh, there's a sort of story to that song. And it's about like some guy that gets in trouble in New York. And, you know, most, a lot of New Yorkers end up at some point going to Florida. But, uh, that's where this sort of character in my mind who was sort of delivering this song was, was at (laughs) like, okay, I'm, I'm here in Boca Raton. And if you pick apart the lyrics at the end, you can sort of, you know, get a vague idea of where that's going.
0: Yeah. For me as a, as a listener, I definitely heard the jump between Sonic Sum and your solo stuff to a way more synthesized, almost like a, um, industrial element. I felt like. And then yeah. if I were to generalize, I'd say that since then, I feel like it's gotten a bit more like streamlined and impactful.
1: Yeah, I, I think definitely with the writing. I think when I, when I was writing uh, stuff for Sonic Sum and, and we were, it, I think that there was sort of more left up to maybe uh, interpretation back with that stuff. And I, I sort of did that purposefully. As I started making solo stuff, it was I sort of went back to where I was before that point. Like it was all a conscious effort with Sonic Sum to sort of pull back a little from this braggadocio sort of uh, arena that rap lives in. Because at the time when we dropped and when we were making all that stuff, it was you know Jiggy stuff was sort of just coming out of like the, it was becoming the mid to late '90s and uh you know we had just come out of like where everybody was wearing Tims and and rocking wu-tang and black moon and then we sort of went into the puffy era and things like that so i just sort of wanted to separate my the the sound of sonic Sum from that um so when i went to do solo stuff i sort of returned back to where i you know a style that i was more sort of uh came up with and
0: and you mean that lyrically?
1: Yeah, the subject matter and like Sonic song there's stuff like Salad Pork and you know uh, Caloramegalo, which are uh, you know they're they're definitely it's definitely rap, but it, you know I didn't really pay attention to certain writing rules for rap as much as I do now.
0: From my perspective as a listener, um, I feel like your lyrics have always been. A bit well, very cryptic and hard to decipher um like yeah. now that you mention it it does it does seem like maybe there was a more of an element of battle rap, sort of braggadocious style um when you when you changed over to the uh the solo, but yeah, but still, like all of it, I feel like is is very um much like a, a riddle or something actually. I wanted to ask you, does it all mean something or is is do you ever just oh yeah it always no, means it, something. All,
1: it all means something to me uh you know like i'm i I never really just sat down and just write, wrote for writing's sake, mm-hmm. so it all means something to me. It's just you know the way that I formulated my style and and came up with stuff was to you know be as different from anybody else out there as as possible I mean that was sort of new york's mantra for the longest was like don't don't sound like anybody else don't write like anybody else and sure you can be in the same lane with certain people but uh that was sort of how i separated myself was was just to uh you know sort of delve into the abstract if you will without that being too cliche you know what i'm saying so it, it means a lot to me but but You know, everything means something to me, but I don't know if that really translates over to the listeners. sometimes.
0: Yeah. I wanted to ask you how you would expect or hope that people would absorb your lyrics if it's something that you would think that people would kind of listen to over and over and get more and more out of it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I think I think wordplay, you know, it's come a long way. I think that people are definitely more clever they've it's been through enough generations that people are more in tune with picking up clever lyrics (laughs) you know not even if it's clever you know i would never say anything like that about my stuff but i do try to be clever so you know i i i also uh i also sort of came up in in you know listening to jazz a lot so uh you know i think that there's something something to be said for that because it influenced my early stuff a lot and in terms of um how a piece of music doesn't have to necessarily be laid out there for you know in such a layman way that that you know it's one directional it's it's you know it it doesn't have to be done like that so that's probably part
0: of it too Would you say that your approach to writing lyrics over the years has changed as far as the construction or the subject matter?
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's definitely, uh, an evolving thing. I think that, uh, I think that when I was probably first starting out, I mean, I started writing lyrics when I was like 11 years old, you know? So that's like the eighties. And, uh, it was pretty much a way different thing. There was like Run DMC, and there was like just a few people doing it that were like big enough for p- to be heard on a on a large scale. The rest of the stuff was, you know, like uh you know, just people would you'd be able to listen to rap like one hour on the weekend, and that's it. It wasn't what it is now. So I think I've tried to adapt and change with the times, and and. Uh, stay current somewhat. I mean, depending who you ask, some people say I've been able to do that, but then other people will be like, well, yeah, you know, but you know, there's this or that that, you know, the reason that it doesn't really pop is because I was either doing something that was too advanced at one point and now it's sort of lost and nobody cares about lyrics anymore. So it's just, you know, I still do my thing, but you know, how, how people would deem, Uh, the evolution of it, they, I I think it's pretty uh, straightforward. And I think you could, you know, I would be able to notice that if I was like a, from an outside party looking at it. But I also don't know how many people were aware of me before even something like Hail Mary Mallon came out, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, I definitely have noticed a difference in the delivery and the cadence. Um, Like I Uh, said, a lot of the the lyrics are just kind of like a mystery to me. So I was wondering, um, you know, about, about subject matter, like what would you say you're writing about most of the time and how has that changed over the years?
1: Uh, it's always sort of been my experience. Um, it's always been, uh, you know uh, my experiences, or you know a lot of people say that I'm like you know heavy on the pop culture stuff. You know I was kind of like a, a latchkey kid, so I just watched a shit ton of TV until my mom got home, and you know back in the day,
3: <laughs>
1: and then then I've sort of paid attention to that as well. Like you know like there's certain uh, influences, you know, without it just being you know New York was really heavy. As an influence for me, New York City itself and, and the Bronx uh, is just—you know—there's so much interaction amongst different types of people that you know, just the the slang and the 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 way people talk to each other is—it's sort of its own planet there. So that was a hugely important part of of and and kind of integral to the way that I, re- I write and deliver stuff. So you know, my surroundings and, and, uh, the, the important parts of little things that I pick up, uh, would probably be as much as an influence as anything
0: else. It makes me uh, think that with the Hail Mary Mallon stuff, you work with Aesop and he seems like yeah. another person that to me is, is similarly, um, difficult to decipher and also maybe uses a lot of local uh references that I wouldn't pick up on and I was curious if if the two of you had to explain your lyrics to each other at times when you were collaborating or if you just
1: Nah, nah, not at all. Like uh we pick I, you know, we vibe each other in that way because we're sort of like I said, we're sort of in the same lane. Yeah. So uh you know, we we understand that a lot of it's about like the 90s in New York and and uh you know, there's other parts of the movement there too, like graph and things like that. Like if I would be able to be anything else, but, uh, you know, the, a rapper or a writer, I would love to be an artist, you know? So that's sort of a visual artist. So, you know, we connected on that in itself. Cause I think he like, he went to art school and all that shit. But I think that, uh, I think that's probably the best thing is like outsider art. Like, you know, that would probably be the best. And again, not trying to be cliche, but that would probably be the best way to sum up my stuff. Like, you know, it speaks to certain people. It's probably not going to be, you know, largely accepted, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's, it's a style and, and me and him sort of bonded all over that, you know, that we both sort of come from that, like, you know, push it, push yourself artistically and and whatever the final product is almost not it's not irrelevant but it's it's you know y- you as the artist are in control and you are the artist uh, are uh, you know determining what what you're releasing so
0: yeah we we don't have to like sit and like break down our shit to each other yeah seems like a an ideal pairing for sure yeah you mentioned you started writing raps when you were around 11. Do you remember any of your first rap that you ever wrote?
1: Oh, man. I think uh, the only thing I ever remember, because the the 11-year-old stuff was like, the only thing out at the time was like, sugar, Hill. So my, my stuff was probably just trying to imitate that stuff. Yeah. You know, that would be the best way to put it. Like, I was just like, heard that and I'd be like, oh, I can write that. I think like, I think one of the first, God, I'm trying to think. Uh, It was stuff like so simple, like Hungry as a Tiger, fly as a fox, you know, that kind of shit. Like, uh, it was, yeah, it was so crazy. And then like, you know, I evolved a little bit out of that. Like, you know, it was just something I played around with because everybody in in school would like get around and we'd all put like money in a hat and whoever would like win the rap battle (laughs) would get the money, you know? But uh, that that sort of, uh, man, I wish I could like think like, I remember stuff after that but as 11 it was probably stuff like you know I whatever I was writing about was probably what an 11 year old was talking about you know
0: Okay what's some of your earliest rhymes that you can remember
3: Uh
1: Jeez I think probably the earliest I can go back is probably like 13 or something and it was just stuff like about how good my DJ was like it was, it was, uh, my DJ at the time was named SMK and, and, you know, he was an older dude, but he like sort of was guiding me. So I just did a whole song about how you could, uh, what is it? My producer drinks on juicer, uh, lyric, uh, lyric producer, sucker duck producer, say goodbye to crack, don't turn your back. I might be new, but my name ain't Jack, uh, NFL and my cadence was terrible at the time. Like NFL NFL for football playing, RIP for ROM <laughs> saying, demo boys, poppy, specializing suckers playing.
0: You know? Beautiful. What was your yes. rap what was your rap name? Back then I was Rob Ski. Rob Ski, oh, the same as uh same as Beans.
1: Yes. We I've actually toured with Beans and we've had that conversation. I think there was probably a million Rob Ski. Everybody went by ski, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, like right. It was like, you know, either Flyers, but also, you know, the the older heads, like, you know, I was just a kid. So I was like, oh, Rob Ski, that's a great name. But I, you know, I had no idea what skiing was back then, you know.
0: Yeah, I wonder how Ski got introduced into the rap name world.
1: It's coke shit.
0: Oh, yes, no.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's always been a part of music, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, yeah, that, that was it, you know. But I think it, it was also just, you know, I'm the skiist was also a way of just being like, I'm a flyest mm. or, uh, like I'm, I'm so ill, you know? Yeah. Like I'm a skiist, like home girl I'm a skiist, you know?
0: Yeah. I wanted to keep talking about the, uh, the Boca Raton song. Like I said, it really took me back because yeah. I mean, you've been working with synthy sounds, but it sounded a lot more mellow and Pretty than a lot of your other work, and then besides that, you know, just the structure of it, which is like some like really verbed out female vocals for almost the whole song, and then at the very end, you you do a verse, and it's just a the whole thing was just really strange to me, and I wonder if if it's as strange to you as it is to me, and if if that's something like we can expect on the new album. These this sort of structure and sound.
1: Yeah, see, as, I mean, it's definitely different from me and and stuff I've been making for the last, you know, probably five or six years. And that's that was just out of sheer desire that the shit didn't like get boring to me. So I definitely made an effort to sort of make it as I'm. I'm kind of glad that you're saying it sounded strange and the the, the setup of it was strange because. You know, that that was, that's something I always try to, try to keep, you know, like, cause there was no real rules to anything when, when I started listening and making music. So uh, I try to, try to push that through again, you know, cause yeah. I feel like where the and stuff, yes, it's very different and our writing styles are different and the way that we do things are different, but it sort of does sort of fall into verse chorus verse chorus verse chorus you know yeah so it, it gets a little tired sometimes to me so that's probably as much me trying to do that as as using the different sounds and mixing styles with this shit ton of reverb and all that i just want to keep fucking heads up
0: <laughs> yeah man. as a as a listener i definitely appreciate that
1: yeah man it's like you know like i said you know like it could go back to something as far as like me listening to jazz as a kid you know like how different that stuff was in the early to, i guess you know sort of bebop but more so more so into into maybe like Miles Davis in the 80s going off you know like just shit like that i'm just a big fan of that and i'm a big fan of any any artist who doesn't stay to one particular style too much i'm i'm with that you know
2: what
0: uh, as long as they're good at it yeah. what are some current artists that you're listening to oh
1: man like rap just in general or
0: i'd like to know about rap specifically but but also other stuff
1: well rtj obviously those guys are yeah you know they they're doing it right um see what else i've been listening to I mean, I listen to Danny Brown a lot. I listen to uh, Ace a lot. I listen to and there's so many. But every time I get asked this question, I'm just like blank. Um
0: uh, same with me.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just. It's always crazy to me because I, I like listen to a ton of stuff. Like, I've definitely fallen into sort of, and I guess this is this is how they programmed whatever they did with music. But I've fallen into a point where I like listening to I'll listen to like four or five songs from an artist and I won't listen to their whole album I think the last thing I bought was probably uh my man Preservation
0: yeah that's a great album DJ Preservation yeah
1: that album eastern what is it? eastern medicine western sickness
0: yeah something
1: like that it's crazy and uh and Hammer most recently oh yeah 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 because I've I actually have been a low-key fan of Billy Woods for a long time
0: yeah, he's
1: awesome.
0: Uh, um, have you heard the new uh, Koreatown Oddity album?
1: You know what? I, yeah, I I actually haven't, but I do like that guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, I've I've been a fan for a while, but his new album yeah. was really something else. I I, uh, I definitely recommend that one. Kind of reminded me of like uh, Prince Paul De La Soul kind of collaborations, as far as just like the the whole. structured and all the sampling and stuff is really cool anyway um, no that's uh that's
1: i'll check that out man because i i've i'm not super familiar with his stuff but i know the few things that i've heard i was like yo this you know he's doing it
0: also i was wondering have you heard much of like this uh i guess i'd call it a wave of um rap music that's really kind of lo-fi with no beats or lo- quiet beats like people like um i guess the latest earl sweatshirt stuff has been like that and then like people like mavi and mike um
3: yeah i think that that that
1: sort of because when i started out you know and where where i sort of came when i started putting music out professionally everything was like hard and and you know backbone but there's a lot of people that say that sonic sum was like a big part of <laughs> could have been right in the same frame as that, you know, so I give, I give respect to that, you know, like, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one to sort of nail down, but I definitely do. I do like a lot of that stuff. And, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with, I'm with anybody who's pushing the boundaries.
0: Yeah, I think it's a surprising trend. I definitely didn't see that coming. I wonder if it's going to like go into like straight up a- ambient rap next or if the drums yeah. are going to come back.
1: I mean, that's kind of that's kind of funny. It's like, you know, like when I was making Boca Raton, there was a point where I could have removed the drums completely. Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And I had, I, I have actually done that before um, on certain songs where, you know, I just didn't, I just was like, oh, let me see what it sounds like without the drums. You know, that's something that you experiment with at times, or at least I do. Yeah. And uh it, it's a pretty cool, it's a cool feel. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's definitely a cool feel. But there's always going to be a part of me that wants that boom bap shit. There's always going to be a part of me that's like okay, I can re- pull the drums off this shit or, or not make the drums so loud. Like, I put a single out in February, and I sort of had the... Uh, I had to deal with a lot of negative feedback because everybody was just like, yo, the fucking drums are too loud. We can't hear I was like, ah, I love it. <laughs> but, you know, they were like, oh, your vocals are mixed too low. And I was just like, "Yeah," or the drums are too loud. You know, whichever way you want to put it. But I love that shit. I love, you know, that's that's the the glue to me. You know what I'm saying? Like heavy New York style fucking boom bap hip hop.
0: Yeah, I think I like I like the dynamics. I like a little bit of little bit of everything myself, and I'm I'm definitely of the same uh, era that you are, growing up with Run DMC and stuff. So that loud, yeah, impactful kick and snare will always be very close to my heart. Yeah,
1: like like Mantronic, like I mean it at one point it was just like drum machines. It was just, you know, like like what is it it's yours is like, you know, Latila like Rock. There's not much to that song, like in terms of music, you know. But uh that's basically all it was at one point, you know, just drum machines I love that and I think that it's returned sort of, you know. I think the eight oh eight has uh you know, it's a, while. Well, it's always been there. It's made a return to oh yeah music in a way that, uh, I sort of never expected.
0: Definitely <laughs> wouldn't expect to hear it in a car commercial like you do now.
1: Yeah. I mean, anything, you know, it's, it's all over and, uh, that, that's kind of cool to me to see, cause as a kid, I love that shit, you know?
0: Yeah. The, the 808 never gets old for me somehow. So does your new album have a title?
1: Uh I'm going back and forth right now to the tentative title that I have for it is Hammer of Chaos.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. I read that somewhere.
1: Yeah, I kind of like to uh metal mush it out a little bit sometimes. Like <laughs> I just like, you know, to sort of invoke uh or evoke some sort of uh feeling of, of over dramatic, uh dynamics that are just like rah. so it kind of feels like a marvel.
0: I've noticed that element for sure, and it definitely goes along with the, uh, the hard drums too, a name like Hammer of Chaos. Right,
1: and then I was thinking uh, there's, there's some other ones that I'm toying with, but right now that's, that's my working title. So
0: Any uh, expected uh, release date at all?
1: I wanted to do, I like to release my records in the winter, mm-hmm. So if, uh, but obviously things have sort of like, I was moving right along actually uh, in, in January, and then February came around and it was like, what the fuck is going on and uh it actually had an opposite effect on me like the the lockdowns and things that you know like a lot of people were like oh but this is great for you because you're the this creative person and you can you know work and and not have to worry about going outside but then you start worrying about it when you're not allowed to you know right like when you're not when you're not supposed to be outside or seeing people and and as i said earlier in in, in our talk like People influence me, and and little subtleties of of interaction with people and and real time sort of influence me as much as anything else. So that it, it's been kind of slow, you know. Like I was, I had a full head of steam. I was making jams. I was, you know, I'm I'm about halfway through it. So uh, I was like making all this stuff and just getting all the skeletons lined up. And then like by March. I was, like, running around, like, trying to volunteer and help people that couldn't go out and get their own food and stuff, and I don't know, you know, like, uh, I just, it took a a different, um, it went into a different cabinet in my head, you know, like, if, if I wasn't sort of helping or paying attention to what's going on in the actual reality of it, it was kind of hard to escape. So um, so it went kind of slow, but I think now I'm I'm probably getting back in the in the in the feel of it. We've been now dealing with this thing, and it doesn't look like it's going away. So either shit or get off the pot, I guess. Yeah. And try not to get try not to get fucking COVID.
0: Yeah, you've been you've been self releasing your stuff for the last couple of albums, at least, right?
1: Yeah, two. Yeah, two of them.
0: Yeah, is that the plan for this next one?
1: Yeah. As far as I know, there's no, uh, there's no labels beating down my door. So I don't know if, I mean, I would always love to be, to be able to reach more people because there's only so many people I can reach. I don't have like a hundred thousand Twitter followers or a hundred thousand Instagram followers, but, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. It's, it's not, uh, I've experienced success on different levels in this game through, throughout my career. Um, and uh yeah i mean it's you know it can i can pay the bills with it when i put out records i can pay the bills with it and uh i can sort of decide of what i'm going to offer and i like that aspect control aspect because i can sort of not have to get clearance if i want to do like a certain color of vinyl or a certain style of of art uh finish things like that i can just say okay well here it is. Here's how you know I, I I do try to I put a lot into it. So you know, it's it's not going to make me rich. I'm not going to not going to be able to afford that house anytime soon. But you know, at least I'm putting music out there and I'm doing it my way.
0: Let's see. Do we have time to break down this song at all?
1: We can, man. But like I said, man, they, those lyrics are butchered holy moly. Like I had no idea that they were that bad. I didn't even know that they were up there until you asked me. And then I looked at them and it was like, Oh my God. Like I, I didn't realize how bad they were. I thought they, they were just a little bit off, but yeah, we can, we can definitely, you know, I'll make the corrections where need be.
0: Yeah. Well, I think it'll be interesting. So the song is honeymoon Sweet off. That's the first track off a of defriender. Yeah. All right. So the first line is honeymoon's over. I'm pretty sure the marriage is
1: right. What are you and talking that's about? basically, yeah, I'm just talking about like any kind of time you have to break out of some sort of relationship, whether it be your own or whether it be with a job or whether over, you know, there's always that point. You just end up on the couch like, what the fuck am I doing?
0: Yes. And it's, is it limping to the sofa? It says through Yeah, it's sofa.
1: limping, limping to the sofa with a drippy nose embarrassing.
0: Just, yeah, being, being sick and. Tired, basically. Yeah,
1: because, yeah it's, it's, what it, it's what it is with any bad relationship. That's basically what that line is.
0: American Muscle got his hustle from a cotton mouth?
1: Yeah, from the cottonmouth snake. Ah. Like, if you've, like, I, I don't know if anybody knows, but, like, that's like the. Uh, it's sort of a deadly snake that I just remember being a kid and being like, watch your step. Sort of move because there might be cotton cotton mouths in these woods or whatever you were walking through, and you always just get really scared of that on the East Coast.
0: Okay, okay. So it's like the American, the typical American psyche is uh, motivated by fear, basically.
1: Absolutely, and always like, okay, this is how you have to tread or walk or whatever it is, and it's you know, death is right around the corner at all times.
0: Uh huh. Tearing through the muzzle in a subtle hint of common ground.
1: Tearing through the muzzle in a sub in a subtle hint of common ground. So it's basically like this is a terrible relationship. I'm gonna be out. Like you know, you just sort of just let the dogs out. You just you know that's what that is. Like I'm, you can't stop me from saying what I'm gonna say. <laughs> right now, I'm out of here. And of course, all all your relationships would have some sort of common ground, or else you wouldn't be in there. That's probably all that remains of certain relationships after you've, you know, been through the ringer with somebody.
0: And this next line, I think it's wrong, but seek bulls, tokers.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a standby me reference. Oh, actually, it's actually sick Bull's balls, tokus. Ah. Like when they were running from the dog, uh, chopper.
0: Yes. What's tokus though?
1: It's like they was hit that guy grabbed him and he was like, uh, your your dad's the loony up in Tokus. Uh, okay. So it's literally a reference to that, and that goes back to the original meaning of the song because it's you "Stand by Me," like how how we couldn't stand by each other.
0: All right, let's do one more line. All right, ready for my close up or get blown up in a Denny's booth?
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty much uh, you know what what I think has become social media. Like, you know, I mean, you just like, okay, cool. I'm going to, you know, take this selfie of me in this Denny's booth and you have no idea what the hell's going to happen to you. It goes back to America's sort of landscape and, and just being a dangerous, dangerous place. It's sort of mocking that whole thing. It's mocking, like, our culture of, of vanity.
0: Would you say that sums up the song, essentially, as far as the whole theme of Yeah, it?
1: I mean, the whole thing is about bad relationships the whole thing is about like you know and it it goes back into certain things from my childhood like watching the movie Stand by Me and thinking that you would always have your brothers with you and that doesn't necessarily stay and uh i've just been very unlucky with with certain re- relationships that i thought would always remain and uh that's why it's called honeymoon sweet cuz it's not that sweet and it's <laughs> it hasn't been a rosy one for me
0: Hey, 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 do you like unique, experimental, and otherwise weird rap music? And do you like helping to make the world a less horrific place? Well, then you'll love the new Weird Rap Records compilation album, Interdependence. Featuring exclusive tracks from Clipping, Cool Keith, Mike Ladd, Ram LZ, Wall One, Beans, Mestizo, and many more. With all profits going to Mutual Aid Disaster Relief, a collectively operated volunteer network providing aid to victims of natural disasters, now including the COVID 19 pandemic. Check it out at WeirdRap.com. Dr. What?
2: Uh,
1: I mean, because I kind of don't care where I live. Like, if I'm not, like, back home and on the East Coast, it doesn't really matter to me. Like, all the West Coast is somehow the same to me. (laughs) So I, uh, you know, I was just looking for places that might be cool to be. And uh, Reno was, was one of them. But I didn't end up going, so now I'm still in Portland.
0: Oh, so you're in Portland, Oregon. I did not realize that.
1: Yeah, I'm in Oregon.
0: When did you move to Portland?
1: Uh, I ended up here about three and a half years ago.
0: How did that happen?
1: Uh, Well, I came out west for a girl. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. And uh, just because I wanted to get out of the Bronx because I was having some problems with my uh, my landlord. They were like trying to force me out because they were like... In New York, you can only raise a rent so much, but if you sell a new building, the new landlord can jack the rent out. So my rent went from $800 to about $1,400 in a matter of a year. The landlords in New York are super powerful, so they were just trying to complete their master plan of gentrification in certain areas, I guess would be the best way to put it. As ominous as that is, that is uh, a thing that happens in America.
0: Yeah. And how are you finding Portland?
1: Oh, well, I've been here for a while now. Uh, At first, it was very strange for me. Um, Portland is sort of a strange place anyway, but uh, it was very different for me in terms of, obviously, pace and and other things like that. Um, And, you know, coming out of the Bronx and going to Portland was was an extreme culture shock. I bet. Yeah.
0: So I met you, actually, about a year ago. You were playing a show... I forget what the town was called. Very oh late.
1: no way! You you came out to the defender tour?
0: Yeah, yeah. I actually oh sick. Yeah. I, was I, that
1: in a place? Was that out? That was between San Francisco and what was the name of that place?
0: I forget exactly what it's called. Like uh, it's anyway. Yeah, it's just north of San Francisco in Marin County. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah, I remember that. The uh I think there was probably about eight people at that one, which was which was uh a pretty good night for us on that tour.
0: Really? Yeah. Um
1: that was a tough one.
0: Yeah. I actually, I opened up for you that night actually, but you didn't you didn't see it, you were upstairs or whatever.
1: okay, yeah. Okay, yes, I remember the place exactly. I think I got pretty hammered that night, actually afterwards. But
0: uh Could be. Well, yeah, I brought it up because I wanted to talk about this, um, the phenomenon of the ego in rap music. And when I met you, as well as from what I've gathered from your online presence, you seem like a very comfortable in their shoes type of person, not like posturing or trying to impress anyone much, like a not very egocentric person. Would you agree with that?
1: I think to an extent, I think, uh, I think, you know, we all have a little bit of the id. So, uh, you know, I kind of am, am aware of who I am, uh, which is a good thing, but, uh, I think, um, yeah, I, I would tend to agree that I try not to, to, I don't really think I'm better than, than anybody else.
0: Yeah. And cause like, it seems like, it's deeply intertwined in hip hop culture this certain kind of boastfulness and braggadocious egocentrism it takes a certain amount of confidence and self-importance just to get on a microphone and talk period i'd say
1: i think anybody who's inclined to do any kind of public speaking has to have a little of that so i'm not going to sit here and say i'm completely free of it
0: yeah and i'm i'm definitely not like talking shit cuz i've i've been an mc myself but I just think it's interesting that, you know, there is the sort of like the trope of rappers rapping about how good they can rap and diss records are a staple in rap music. And there's plenty of cultural reasons to explain why that's the case. And I'm not like, I don't really want to argue against it or talk about that really. But I just thought it'd be interesting to know how you personally have oriented yourself to That aspect of the culture, and I know you know you've also have done you know your own style of of uh, battle rapping, sort of or brag rapping, and you've you've made it. You've definitely like elevated it. I would say to like a yeah.
3: I I I think
1: like I told you in in the first part of this, like I think the art is probably more important than me. Uh, Just making a complete piece of, of really solid music is it's not something that comes that easy to me. I've always had to work very hard at it. So it's always, I've always sort of approached it as, uh, with a workman like attitude. And I think that, uh, when you do that, I think that that doesn't, that's just, it's not as glamorous as some people may, have, you know, approach their style with. So I think, uh, you know, I mean, I definitely talk shit. I definitely think that, you know, I can hold my own on the mic when it comes to that, but it's not, it's not in the forefront with me as much as the overall piece of music.
0: Yeah. And I'd say, you know, where, whereas some talk about how they're the best, just because that's kind of a certain fashion in hip hop, I would say that you actually are one of the best, especially in your vein. So.
1: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate that.
0: Yeah, and um I wonder are there any MCs that you could list where you're like, wow, they really give me a run for my money.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, there's tons. There's tons. Like, uh, my my personal favorite rapper ever is Cool G Rap. Hmm. That's a super intellectual dude, you know, when it comes to when he was doing his style and what he had the way he was crafting lyrics and shit like that. It was uh there was no none better than G rap. And then, uh, Pharaoh Monch, uh, obviously people have been lucky enough to, to meet and, and work with like Al, LP and Aesop. Those guys are incredible writers and incredible rappers. Uh, killer Mike, obviously, uh, Man, there's so many. Open Mike Eagle's fucking amazing. Like, they, like I can go on and go on forever. You know what I'm saying? To, so uh, that probably goes back into the question you asked me before. Like, that would be another reason I wouldn't be at, be out there running off the mouth too much because I know that there's dudes that that are actively working right now that are are and, and, and that have come come before me. You know, uh, and These guys are laid the foundation for hyper lyrical uh writing and just just develop this music to be what it is so i would never like even put myself in that category if i didn't hear g-rap if i didn't hear k-r-s if i didn't hear tarot, if i didn't hear you know early cave even like early cage and, and shit like where dudes were just really pushing styles and really pushing what they were doing I wouldn't have gone the way I went.
0: Yeah, you know, um, speaking of Cool G Rap, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about him because, you know, he's, he's listed by many MCs as one of the greats, and I'm, I'm of your era, you know. I, I, my first Cool G Rap album was uh, Wanted Dead or Alive. Is that what it was called, the second yeah. album? Yeah, and, that's the um, second one, yeah. Yeah. And I loved it and I still love it to this day. It's really nostalgic. And then I later got road to the riches, which I also really enjoyed. And then, um, you know, I've always enjoyed it, but I've never really understood why people say he's the greatest or one of the greatest. So I wonder if you can verbalize that for me, help me understand.
1: Uh, well, I mean, the time had a lot to do with it when G rap did it. Nobody was really putting words together like that, in my opinion. You know, I know there's a lot of people that come out and be like, "Well, you know, KRS is better or whatever." This is, you know, it's it's all that's left up to interpretation and and personal appeal. But to me, when G Rad came out and the way he was putting shit together, like when I heard "Roll to the Riches," I had never heard anything like that. Just real dense wordplay and 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 pushing rap music to a place where it was going to maintain this this uh intellectual credibility you know what i'm saying like as opposed to just being like a party thing or a battle thing
0: now that you mention it there was like a a density also maybe in it was a lot of short phrases strung together as opposed to the typical like kind of longer sentence structure would you say that
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there were certain there were certain artists that really started working with with incredible uh, ability and to to sort of make phrases and 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 rhyme structures pliable to the point where you couldn't front on it. You couldn't be like, "Oh, rap is full of shit," But that's what everybody was talking about when rap was making its the the wave of rap when it started to become you know, popularized to a point where people started listening to it outside of the inner cities, a lot of people just shit on it as oh this is dumb shit, you know, this is like, but you can't say that about G-Rap, you can't say that about KRS, you can't say that about Rock Dam. you can't say that about, you know, uh, so many artists, you know, like La and shit like that, like uh, there was no stopping it, so I think that that was a conscious effort made by people that 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 wanted that, you know, Wanted it to be on a different level, and and they pushed that. And those are the those are the guys who did that, you know. G Rap was was important in that because he was also keeping it extremely w- real from like a, a street sense. So where you know heads could heads didn't have to be into this in, in you know intellectual mindset to listen to because he's talking about like blood stains on my body, sucking on body. So, shot him in the alley, type shit like that. Like, right. you know, it, it, and obviously there's the Chucky's and and people like that that were also a part of making this thing bigger than what it was. But, uh, you know, you could never say that about guys like G Rap. You could never be like, ah, oh, it's just some dumb shit, just a bunch of dudes like rapping like, oh, fucking Mother Hubbard shit, you know?
0: Yeah, I'm realizing I, I feel like I hear a lot of um, G Rap and Ghostface now that we're talking about it
1: oh yeah yeah well you know they were they were later on but but it all if you look go back and and do like a like a, a chronological look at it you can see the sort of slope of where it was all became very lyrical and and less about beats and party stuff and more about actually sitting down and absorbing what this man is saying
0: yeah All right. Well, yeah, that's enlightening for me. Cause like, well, it all hit me at the same time. I think I got into rap when I was in, I was 10 in 1988, I think. And I just, all of a sudden was introduced to this flood of rap, you know, living out in the middle of nowhere. I didn't really know about it until I cracked the.
1: Well, and that, that's, that's sort of what it was like for me, like that push, like I I saw it from the beginning, you know, I I got you, I got you by, by a few years. So yeah you know when i came up it was like like i told you before it was like okay this. i mean look at like rapper's delight that was just like it, it's it's amazing and it's incredible but i mean what the fuck you're talking about like oh, i'm going over with my friends that not necessarily like hyper topical on what actually may have that been going on but then there's the message you know which was one of the first things i ever heard which which is completely about that so, you know, it, it seems very natural to me that, that dudes would push the intellectual boundaries the way they did. I mean, think of any other music besides that, you know what I'm saying? That that sort of is like verbal sparring or or stringing together versus the way it does. Nothing really did that before in popular culture.
0: Yeah, it's definitely in a world of its own, I'd say. Um I have a list of MCs, some of whom I'd say are, are in a similar abstract and advanced vein as you, and some that are pretty different. But I was wondering if you could let me know what you think of them as artists. And uh, of course, we can cut anything if you don't want to be disparaging. But I imagine you'll mostly have good things to say about these people. Yeah,
1: I, I, I tend not to. I tend not to disparage people's art. Yeah.
0: So a couple from like the sort of era of late 90s, early aughts, uh, NYC art rap, uh, Saul Williams.
1: Saul is an amazing poet. So I actually have had the uh, pleasure of meeting and hanging out with Saul a few times. And uh, he's he's an incredible writer. And uh, there's a lot of people that sort of put me in, not really in with, the poetry scene that was sort of bubbling in New York at the time, but uh, you know, I, I have a great deal of respect for those dudes. You know, like Mike Ladd and Saul Williams and Jessica Camore and, and dudes and Bocia and guys like that. Like that, they're incre- They're on a different plane. So Saul gets, you know, Saul's an, uh, an incredible talent, and he can act. He can act. you know, just that guy is, is a, a treasure
0: but I feel like he doesn't get credit in the hip hop community for being an MC as much as he should. What do you think? Um,
2: yeah. I, I don't,
1: I don't know if, uh, I don't know if he would necessarily be, be bothered by that to be honest. Uh, Cause I think he's in his own lane and I don't think, I think that he probably is, uh, I mean, he should get credit for, you know, just the, the writing and song structure that he puts together. Cause you know, it's not, you know, it, it may be different, but you know, I think that people are, if they're sleeping on Saul, they, they don't know what they're missing. If they're a fan of, of good writing and, and incredible voices and just strength and, and what they're doing, you know?
0: Yeah. I just, I feel like, the hip hop culture as a whole could benefit if more, if he was listed alongside more like Kendrick Lamar and Jay-Z as you know, rappers that, you know, everyone should listen to 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 learn how to rap or whatever. But um,
1: yeah, yeah, I think, I think, uh, but like I said, I don't, you know, I don't know him personally like that, but I think he probably is very comfortable with where he's at. I don't think it's necessarily one of those things where he'd be like, Oh, uh, cats don't think I'm, I'm barring out like I am, but he actually is barring out. So yeah, you're probably right. He probably does deserve a little more credit in the the rap world.
0: And I'm sure you, you get much better pay, you know, performing at a museum than you do at a rap show. So I'm sure he's doing yeah, fine. Yeah.
1: Well, I, yeah, like I said, I mean, that guy is certainly diversified enough with all his many talents to, to be, uh, you know, well enough known and respected in, in many fields, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to ask you about like, during that same era where I first heard about you when the first, um, Sonic Sum album came out and that whole like anti-pop ozone music scene was starting to, um, do its thing on the, yeah on the West coast at the same time I got into, um, Anti con, and I felt like, right. you know, there was definitely big differences between the two general scenes, if you can call them. I don't know if you would even consider what I'm talking about as a scene with the NYC art rap stuff, but just because you were, uh, you had similar labels and management or whatever. But
1: oh, no, I uh, mean, Ozone, Ozone put out my first music. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's my people's like anti pop and, and, uh, and saw and all we were all under the same umbrella yeah even out and company floor
0: right i imagined you guys were all hanging out with each other but i don't know if it was really like that yeah
1: ozone ozone was like where we all recorded our music yeah yeah michi and all those guys those you know they they sort of if not for them who knows you guys might never hear me so that's I. i try to remind people of that sometimes you know, I will put up a, a throwback of, of me and L, or me and Meach and me and, you know, just dudes that were around back then that, that, you know, I toured with a lot of those dudes, you know, way back. And they were on a higher level than me. I was just sort of this, I had come from a more traditional rap standpoint. And I started, you know, just because of, of what I wanted Sonic Sum to be. Uh, I changed that a little bit and that, that was the perfect tone for it because they kind of, those guys really were like, just do you. It don't matter if people don't want to let you in, we'll, we'll try and help you get through anyway.
0: I consider that a very special and monumental time and uh place in, in hip hop for me. It was,
1: it was very creative. It was super creative
0: yeah it was very um inspiring for me and um
1: now in terms of what you were asking about Anticon, i i I would sit here i'm not going to sit here and say i'm very familiar with their stuff yeah because i i didn't i i ended up meeting a lot of those guys later and just being cool with them but i didn't know really what they were doing outside of that unfortunate situation with l and soul yeah i was introduced to to their music through that
0: right and right. that's
1: probably not a fair or good starting point to jump
0: off yeah well they yeah in retrospect they were pretty divisive they did a lot of things like that that were kind of like immediately offensive like naming their album their compilation music for the advancement of hip-hop or something like that it was like a little
1: yeah i i, I tend to think that 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 was uh yeah i think that's probably about when i had First heard about them. There was a, also a magazine that was really integral in uh, pushing artists like us, and it was called Herb Magazine. And I think uh, Sonic Sum and a bunch of the AntiCon guys, and maybe even Slug. I don't know, but uh, we we were all in one of the first the next 100. Uh, epi- uh, um, sorry, first 100 uh, issues. That they used to put out and uh that is, that is another way i became familiar with them now you're talking to a guy who was so inundated in new york culture and rap at the time that i didn't even know that people were rapping out there like when i first met slug i was like he's from minneapolis i didn't even know motherfuckers rapped out there like that
0: yeah specifically i was wondering about uh dose one who i know worked with aesop rock early on i wonder had you been aware of him do you have any thoughts on? His approach?
1: No, I I met him I met him later, and uh, I met them when they were doing Clouded as those, right?
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, he was part of that.
1: Okay, so I saw a Clouded show, I think, um, and that's how I knew him. And he's just a cool guy. I mean, I knew I I probably knew them more on a uh individual level more than a uh than a music level at that time.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I was just wondering maybe what you thought about his like poetry style or whatever his writing style. Oh, I, th- I
1: think I think when I when I got to know it, I think I thought it was dope. I think at first maybe I didn't really open up to it as much because it was very different. Um, but when I actually saw him put it down, that's you know it, he, he's got skills, man.
0: Okay, and now that you mentioned not being uh, too aware of uh, music west of NYC, what about uh, Project Bloed Were you? familiar much with that
1: no i wasn't until i went on tour with bus driver Mm. um that was that was years later uh when i had done my first record that is when i was introduced to all that stuff to that i mean i knew a freestyle fellowship but i didn't know project flow okay uh so you know freestyle fellowship was crazy when they came out so i didn't know that it was this sort of much larger movement going on out west, like I didn't know anything about good life I didn't know anything because I was a east Coaster just New York everything you know and uh I didn't know about that stuff until much later
0: okay, how about this a little less underground um had you caught wind of sir mix a lot um before baby got back
1: oh yeah yeah I, I mean Posse on Broadway was was i mean that 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 I still play that song,
0: yeah. I think his first two albums had some pretty pretty interesting stuff, especially for the Times.
1: Yeah, I think my my one of my dudes actually bought the album, but it was back when like you didn't really like like buying albums back then, like you kinda had to do it yourself. If I wasn't, you know, hanging out with my dude all the time I didn't really hear a bunch of it. But I know when when on Broadway came out, I was like, yo, that shit is fucking hard.
2: Yeah.
1: It was kind of the same way with uh I guess all West Coast gangsta, well, that's not really gangsta rap, but, but yeah, but it was like, it, it was new to me when I heard Straight Outta Compton and all that shit, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, what, what is
0: Compton? But Posse on Broadway must've got, that got played on the radio a little bit in NYC, right?
2: Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. Nah, people, people played it. I mean, it's like, you know, it was a big song. It was like a huge hit, so. You know, but that's sort of how we we got to see that. You know, like outside of like Bobito and stuff like that. You know, uh, playing certain things, but but most of that was East Coast stuff. Like right? there was just a few would come through, like Casual and and Del and those guys. Obviously, that's a little later, but uh yeah, yeah, yeah. They they they, they that was news to me too. Like when when Jiro came out, I was like, what the fuck.
0: Yeah, I'd say I think Sir Mix-a-Lot and Too Short probably both influenced the hieroglyphic sound to some degree. Yeah,
1: see Too Short's crazy. Too Short's like like I'm like I knew of Too Short for years. Like I knew of him but had never heard any Too Short Too Short music. It's kind of crazy. I guess maybe Blow the Whistle was like the first one I heard but Oh wow, It didn't really it didn't really strike me as as I mean I don't know when that song came out. You know what I'm saying?
0: Well, yeah, he didn't really have radio friendly uh, music. And on the West Coast, they were playing that song, Life is Too Short. And that was like. Oh, his... yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Actually, that is the first one. Life is Too Short. short. Okay. But like one dude out of the crew that I was rolling with at the time liked it.
0: But you couldn't dance to that song, I don't think. It was like a slow.
1: Yeah. Like I was a big fan of like DLC when he came out too, in, oh, in yeah. terms of like West Coast stuff. Like. That, that guy was pretty amazing. I liked anybody who was bringing it lyrically. Mm.
0: As we wind down, um, I heard you allude to almost quitting music a couple of times. Every day, you still think about day. it.
1: What every single day?
0: What makes you want to quit, and what keeps you doing it?
1: When I say quit, I mean I, I don't. I don't mean stop making music. I mean stop releasing music. Right, and and that is just because I think that I haven't been particularly successful doing it. Um, And I think that, that at some point when you're, you know, closer to 50 than you are 20, then you start being like, what the fuck did I just do my entire life?
0: Yeah. The marketing and selling becomes a bummer. Well,
1: it's just like, what, what was all this for? I was never wildly successful at any point. You know what I'm saying? Like it's been a struggle. I've had to have those conversations with with people that put out my music, all every single one of them. That hey, we can't do another Rob Sonic record because you just you're not selling any records, and you know that part of it is it's hard to get up from that over and over and over again. You know, I have been unable to pay rent. I have been unable to eat food. So you know, as a human being you you would be silly not to have that conversation with yourself
0: yeah what do you chalk it up to because like Aesop Rock has become pretty popular he does well and I I feel like his style is just as you know out there and and similar in a lot of ways to yours why do you think he has kind of gone where he has and you haven't
1: well outside of the the typical response which is you know, you never know what's going to catch fire and you never know what's not going to, um, my personal opinion is, is he has a better voice. Mm. Um, I think that that is, uh, one of the things where I don't necessarily have a, uh, as a unique a voice as him. And, and, um, I think that he caught fire at the right time and he hooked up with jokes at the right time. And, and, uh, I mean, he, he, people loved what he was doing and how he was doing it. And he just resonated with, with more people than, than a lot of people, you know? Yeah. And we don't know why that is. We don't know why the appeal, and I don't know anybody who does, maybe there's a secret, you know, that people don't know, but I remember when it happened. I remember like opening up a race at a show in Brooklyn with Sonic Sum. And RJ was on the bill as well. And literally like no one being there to see Sonic Salmon, we had already been on the scene for a little while. There was no one there to see Sonic Salmon. It was a packed house, just the see hmm. So, and I, I was shocked. I was like, wow, this is crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? Because I didn't realize he was that big. And uh, he's just, you know, he just has that thing that people love and, And he's, you know, he's somewhat of a star because of it, you know?
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah, there may be some intangible quality that's hard to verbalize. That's
1: what it seems like to me. It is very intangible. I I can never put my finger on why somebody is bigger than, you know, X is bigger than Y or Y is bigger than Z.
0: So speaking of him, I have no idea what ever happened between the two of you, but I've seen some uh, recent rumors online that maybe you two are going to do something again. Is that possible?
3: Well, I, I think, I think
1: we, uh, I think, I, I mean, we've we started Hail Mary Mallon three, the third installment of Hail Mary Mallon three. We started it years ago. Ah. And uh, I think that, you know, I think we, you know, I th- I think we play with the idea sometimes that we'll put another one out, but, uh, I don't, you know, it's not, uh, necessarily on the forefront of, of what I'm doing. Uh, I don't, I think he's doing other stuff too. So who knows, man? Like, you know, I, I think that it's probably more likely that we will eventually put that project out.
0: Cool. Maybe I'll start a petition or something.
1: I think there's probably 60 or 70 of those
0: already. Okay. (laughs) Next, we'll be joined by Curly Castro of Shrapnel, Blue Edwards, and Wrecking Crew, all of which have recent releases that I emphatically recommend. He's also one-third of the highly entertaining Call Out Culture podcast. He will be reviewing a classic and sorely overlooked album by Skip Kuhn from 2014 titled Miles Garvey. Miles Garvey.
2: Garvey.
3: To Guam with the Guam people. This is Curly Castro. You know what I'm saying? I'm here today to give y'all my thoughts slash review on the wonderful Opus by Skip Coon called Miles Garvey. I asked my fellow podcaster Alaska. We do the Call Out Culture podcast together. I said, "Give me an opening quote." You know, I'm about to do this review and shit. He said, "Bond." He said, "Skip Coon Bond." If a nation of millions and a quim and I had a child it would be Skip Coons, Miles Garvey. And that's an amazing statement in itself. Salute to Alaska. You know what I'm saying? Like This album, it really did something to me when I first heard it. It dropped in 2014, and I was just blown away. We got nine tracks, no filler, Illmatic-like in terms of like, just straight to the point. It starts off with this joint called We Aim At Teeth by the poet Tongo and Martin. And right then I'm caught in. I didn't even know Skip. I didn't know his rapping voice at all, so I was just worrying, wondering if this was him, he was doing poetry or whatever. But you know, if you have real strong spoken word, um, as cliche as, as it can be, I'm 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 in it. And then he got this song called Blacker. And these are the first two bars: Black fist to the sky, black power, black polymer in the chaos hour. What? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you ain't gotta you ain't gotta say much, boys. So I'm already in. I'm loving the imagery. Um, one of his earlier videos he's dressed as a preacher with a soapbox literally walking around from corner to corner propping up his soapbox getting on top and spitting his bars he got another track called um ruramar and the first couple of bars are i'm standing on this corner like god ain't returning and this ghetto ain't burning bright like he really is just speaking the language of the people like you know, melanin bars, if you will. You know what I'm saying? Like um, struggle bars, but not in the sense I'm struggling to to um, get something. It's, I'm struggling to maintain. I'm struggling to um, to fight all this oppression. And not in a corny way. He's not preachy at all, even though he has a video where he's dressed like a preacher. He got another great song, stops You Dead in Your Tracks. It's called Asada Taught Me. And he's like, I talk to God on the regular and retro Jordans, a pistol and a cellular. Now I'm just doing his accent. My man is dope. And um, the track and the video for that track, it's only badass shorties and shit. There's no no dudes at all, and it seems like they're interviewing them. So there's a narrative that's even behind the song, that's behind the video. So I was just enraptured. These 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 queens are just radiating off of the screen, and I'm just I'm just loving it. You know what I mean? Really, just as an artist, he reminds me of like a modern day Paris, an intelligent hoodlum before the tragedy you know what i'm saying just really really solid mc mc shit really sharp bars swords out the ass he got other songs on there called torn atheist and then he ends it with this 13 minute um just this 13 minute piece and i mean peace p-a-c-e and it's called jaffrican sunset and jaffrica is this land that he's created within this record that all of us liberated people should try to get to. Maybe we'll catch the Black Star Line and ride out there. And then it's like, um, half song, half instrumental, there's poetry on there. And it's just a great way to close out an album to really make a good stand. So, you know what I'm saying? I just have to get this record like five Black Fists up. You know what I'm saying? Like, this gets all the 10 um, points. You know what I mean? Like, it's just really, really quality work. Um, Salute my brother Skip. Um, we, We looking out for more of his stuff. Go check this. Go, I'm mean, his album, the, the vinyl sold out. Go check all his past works. The brother Skip Coon. You know what I'm saying? Really solid. Miles Garvey. You know we doing it. So this is Curly Castro. Call out culture. Shrapnel record crew. Signing, signing off. Peace.
0: I corresponded briefly with Skip, who we'll hopefully have as a guest in the future, to ask him about his next album, which he says is finished. It actually features Curly Castro, as well as Pie Infamous and Coke Bumaye. The album is titled August Radio Free Jaffrika, and it doesn't have a current release date. But Skip said he'd let me preview it at some point for the podcast, so that's exciting. You can check out Skip Coon's music, all of which I highly recommend, at Tibbit. That's T-I-B-B-I-T dot bandcamp.com and now we've got some commentary from lil Lil Ghostwriter. ghostwriter
4: rap can be weird musically and rap can be weird lyrically i want to talk about weird rapping lyrical weirdness and its commonality with and its being sometimes an expression of the disorganized speech of the schizophrenic. I want to talk about Rap Ferreira, a rapper who is neither extremely weird nor extremely normal, but who works between those two extremes. And in particular, I want to point out a couple of lines about the mentally ill that I've noticed in his album, Budding ornithologists are weary of tired analogies. First, let me make clear that I think Rap Ferreira or Milo or Scallops Hotel is a great rapper. I don't think there are many rappers as interesting. Very few rappers would rhyme word is bond with Lacan as he does on the track Romulan Ale. You dig? as many rappers will boastfully rap about their money their property ferrera adorns his raps with philosophical references references to bishop Berkeley, to proudhon to schopenhauer and so on and so on it's great Now let's really get into what weird rap has to do with schizophrenia or psychosis generally before we get into why Ferreira is a semi-schizophrenic rapper as well as, I am sad to say, a possibly semi-schizophobic rapper. Which is sadly a relatable position, no doubt, for many. Since there is very little general understanding among people of what schizophrenia really is. I have a different more open definition of psychosis than the one accepted among psychiatrists, but it is based on their definition. Psychosis is a loss of contact with reality, a disconnection from reality. If you think people can read your thoughts or that you are constantly presented with signs from God among ordinary life events, that is considered by psychiatrists psychosis. My more open definition of psychosis includes more generally the attribution of meaning to life events. It includes any certainties you may have about reality. It's a strange cruelty of our society that we label only the most extreme cases of detachment from reality psychosis, and in some more specific cases, schizophrenia. All of life, to me, is a relation between psychosis and reality. Between things as they appear, phenomena, and things as they are, things in themselves. Between words and the real reference of language out there in reality. Between psychotic ideology and the material conditions which give rise to all these psychotic ideas in our heads. There is no such thing as a being fully in touch with reality. There are just different levels of removal from reality, just different types of psychosis. There are the ichthyocentric thinkers who believe everything exists for fish. Usually these are fish. There is the Kantian who believes in the unknowableness of all that is noumenal. And there are those who are somewhat more sane in their dealing with reality. The Marxists, God bless them, and so on, all are psychotic. But so here's the connection of psychosis to weird rapping. One of the symptoms of psychosis, or of schizophrenia in particular, is weird, disorganized, playful speech. Stuff like making up words, which makes you a neologist. Stuff like using words unconventionally, which means you're employing rhetorical devices such as anacoluthon, such as catachresis. If you think about it, this makes perfect sense. If psychosis is a detachment from reality, then of course your language, which mediates your experience of reality, becomes strange. The relation of signifiers to signifieds will grow tenuous, just as the relation of signifieds in your head to reference in the world grows tenuous. Weird speech is not at all some weird extra thing that comes with schizophrenia. It's a natural byproduct of it. Lacan, in a seminar on psychosis, said something like this. That the signifier breaks free of the signified in psychosis. But, so anyway, keeping all that in mind, I think there are two opposite extremes in rap. On one end of the spectrum, there's the ultra-weird schizophrenic extreme. That's rappers like Sharkula and M.C. Ride of Death Grips, which follows the tradition in literature of writers like Gertrude Stein. At the opposite extreme of the spectrum, there's the not-weird and totally lucid rap. Drake is the exemplar I immediately think of when I think of the not-weird side of rap. This style of rap follows the tradition of such writers as Jane Austen and Jonathan Franzen. It's very normal. Rap Ferrero works in the middle, between these extremes. There is a lot in his raps that makes sense, especially if one has at least a cursory familiarity with enough of what he's rapping about. But there is a lot in his style, especially the later style. There's a lot that's schizophrenic, weird, playful, just really delightfully bizarre. His decision to mispronounce Vladimir Nabokov's name, he says Nobokov, on the song Call and Form, is classic schizophrenia. His decision at the beginning of Sorcerer to say I mean instead of Amen, that's classic schizophrenia. If you've heard his stuff, you know what I'm talking about. It's very abstract in the hip-hop sense of the word. But then there are plenty of examples in Ferrera's lyrics of his valuing definite literal meaning and lucidity nevertheless. And again, if you've heard his stuff, you know what I'm talking about. It seems to me that he has a sense of himself, though, as speaking more truth in his raps than most. A sense of sense is more valuable than nonsense. And yet he himself is often nonsensical. And if you agree with my definition of psychosis, he's often psychotic. His lyrics are often beautiful examples of schizophrenic disorganized speech. So here are the problematic passages about psychosis in Rap Ferreira's album Budding Ornithologists Are Weary of Tired Analogies. They're not totally problematic, they're just interesting. The chorus of the song Galahad and Goose Down is If life were a dream of euphoria, we would not have schizophrenia or paranoia. Now, it's true that for many, schizophrenia is bad, but for many, schizophrenia can be fun. I think everything is psychosis, as I already said. So, is is schizophrenia really so, so bad? The other problematic passage is a problem more because of its unclarity to anyone without the lyrics before their eyes. Though even if you understand what he's saying, he still seems to conclude the song with a judgment of the mentally ill, maybe. I don't know. Here's the passage. On the song Mid-Answer Trying to Remember What the Question Is, he says, Maybe some people shouldn't be a part of society. It's a crapshoot trying to rap with Lee's nephew. That nigga's chemicals need balancing. I thought initially he's talking about a friend or relative's mental illness here, and he's juxtaposed it with a comment about how some should not be in society. Though in fact he's talking about himself, it's his chemicals that somebody thinks need balancing. Still, then he says, you know, life's all about that balancing. Referring to someone else's, someone saner's, golden balancedness. This may seem innocuous until you consider how backwardsly the mentally ill are treated by society. Schizophrenics are solitarily confined in psych wards, regardless of whether they're really a danger to themselves and others. Many don't even know what schizophrenia is. They think it's some kind of a split personality disorder. Most people want nothing to do with schizophrenics. I wish the real message of this passage in Ferreira's song were immediately clearer, but all in all, it's a great song. Anyway, maybe what's most important in this spiel is the part where I drew a connection between weird rapping and schizophrenia, not my criticism of a couple of lines of rapping from Ferreira. I don't know. I hope this all has been useful to whomever. Lil'
0: Ghostwriter is a fantastically inventive and scholarly MC himself. His EP, Inner Plenum, is available on digital and vinyl at weirdrap.com or audiorecon.com. In future episodes, I plan to mention all my favorite rap releases from the previous month or however long it's been since the previous episode. But since this is the first episode, I'll just quickly mention my favorite releases from the year so far. I loved Purple Moonlight Pages by Rap Ferreira, which I imagine will be near the top of many others' best of lists for this year. As will Shrines by Armored Hammer and RTJ4 by Run the Jewels, both of which I've also been enjoying. What probably won't make it on most others' lists is Blacklight by Zero, which is almost too weird even for me. And an album whose title and artist name I'm not sure how to pronounce. The artist name is spelled $2030M, and the title is VL period colon period degree sign. It's basically a very experimental take on Memphis style gangster rap. While I'm at it, I'll also mention an associated artist, Cities Aviv, whose album Gum is a pretty nice blend of woozy, lo-fi, and atmospheric elements. Serengeti, who has a pretty distinctive and infectious voice, is constantly releasing singles and EPs on Spotify and Bandcamp, which are all awesome. And his full-length album Ajai is great too. It, uh further expands the narrative of his lovable Kenny Dennis character. Another standout which I think a lot of others have been discovering is Little Dominique's Nosebleed by the Koreatown Oddity. It's a beautifully arranged album which is deep and funny and kind of reminds me of De La Soul's Prince Paul produced albums. Weevil in Disguise by Celestophone sounds like rap music by a psychedelic cartoon character it's got exquisite and varied sample based production and complexly creative lyrics it reminds me a little bit of yikes the zero whose album an echo storm howling did not come out this year It was the end of last year, but I'll mention it anyway because I think it deserves more attention. It's got fantastical, colorful beats, and the rapping kind of reminds me of MF Doom if he was a beaver or some other sort of forest creature, maybe. An album that isn't especially experimental or groundbreaking sonically, but which I hold in the highest regard purely for its lyrics is Kambada's album, LSD, Lunar-Solar Duality. I can't really sum it up quickly. It's been called Psych Hop for its esoteric references and feels almost like an advancement of the mystical street wisdom style developed by artists like Ka and Killa Priest, who both also released albums ranking high on my list this year. But I'm excited to say we've got an interview with Kambada lined up for a forthcoming episode of Weird Rap, so we'll do a deep exploration into his incredibly far-ranging and singular mind. And lastly, I'll mention Dos Siki by Dos Manos, which is a glorious, cacophonous base of exotic samples and rapping in Japanese. There's been plenty of other releases I've enjoyed this year, all of which you can check out via my posts on the various Weird Rap social media platforms linked at weirdrap.com. You can also sign up for the newsletter there to keep abreast of the various Weird Rap goings-on in a single monthly digest. Weird Rap TV is a lovingly curated collection of music videos, documentaries, interviews, and live performance video playlists at youtube.com/weirdrap and weird rap radio is a regularly updated and expanding spotify playlist which you can find at spotify without the vowels that's sptfy.com/weirdrap We just started a SoundCloud account to share some of the vast collection of music that's unavailable anywhere else but there. And if you want to rate and review this podcast to help our relationship with the algorithms, I will mail you a beautiful full-color vinyl Weird Rap sticker in return. Just email weirdrap3000 at gmail.com to claim your prize or to correspond. I would like this podcast to represent a diverse variety of perspectives. So if you have suggestions or if you want to be part of the show, let me know. If you want to conduct an interview, review some music, share some commentary, or open up a discussion, message weirdrap3000 at gmail.com. And stay tuned. We've got some awesome stuff coming in future episodes, including Anti-Pop Consortium, we got a bunch of other guests and some complex questions to be discussed. This beat was made by me, The Mole, and I thank you for being here. Fuck normalcy, stay weird.
2: My
1: producer drinks all juicer. Lyric producer, sucker dog producer. Say goodbye to crack, don't turn your back. I might be new, my name ain't Jack. NFL for football playing, R.I.P. for Rob saying that. My boy's pop it's Elijah Suckers playing. Weird rap.